The RSVP Trust, changing lives around the world. I want to ask you today, what are you wearing? And uh, despite being a fashion icon, I'm asked that quite often by my f- members of the family, both Hazel and the girls. What are you wearing? And we're not going out with you dressed like that. But I want to look at uh, the reading in Ephesians, which Alison read to us, and ask that question, what are you wearing? And it was interesting uh, listening to Alison said something that you probably didn't notice, uh, but I certainly did. Because most people who come to do a reading in church here s- introduce the reading by saying today's reading is uh, taken from. And today, Alison said, uh, the first reading is written in. Did anybody notice that? No, well, I did. And the reason I noticed that is because When I was at Bible college, we all used to start off by saying uh, in the services that the first reading is taken from, and the college principal will say, no, we do not take from Scripture. It is written in, not taken from. And that was drilled into me for three years. Uh, And it's interesting that she reminded me of him, because talking about what are you wearing, I remember one summer uh, we had a weekly communion service on Wednesday afternoon and the church army uh, college chapel at those days was made almost entirely of glass so it's very hot and uh, we'd been playing croquet or doing some studies I mean uh, on the Lord and when uh, it came time for the Wednesday communion three of us who'd been out playing croquet or studying in shorts attempted to go in the chapel and the man who told us it's written in, not taken from, said, where do you think you, you three are going? So we said, well, we're going to communion. He said, not in shorts, you're not. It says in Psalm uh, 147, verse 10, the Lord delights in no man's legs. Go and put some trousers on. Um, <laughs> so I thought he'd made it up, but if you look at Psalm 147, verse 10, it does actually say that the Lord delights in no man's legs. It didn't mention women's legs, so you're all right if you... So we were never allowed to go to college in shorts, uh, and it was uh, important about what are you wearing. Because uh, Paul in Ephesians is talking about armour, and uh, more seriously, in recent weeks, there's been a lot in the news about what the soldiers are wearing in Afghanistan. And there's been arguments about people who, you know, there was a man who died because he had to give his bulletproof vest, his body armour, to another man to go uh, into a dangerous place. And there's a big debate about if the soldiers have enough armour. And then we've had a lot of people killed in that uh, conflict by these road bombs that the Taliban are making, uh, exploding under vehicles. And I was reading something saying that the uh, British vehicles are not as armour-plated underneath as the American ones, and that's why we're losing so many men. And then there's been the whole issue about helicopters. And uh, they've sent some helicopters, I understand, but they've sent them without the armour plating, which would make them uh, vulnerable uh, from the ground, from fire. So there's the whole issue of what are we wearing. And if you're in a conflict, uh, it's important to be wearing the right armour. Now, I've grown up in a, in a time when the wars that we've had in this country have actually been fought somewhere else. So I don't have really an experience of what that is like. Except that um, about five, six years ago, I was invited to go with a group of evangelists 
to do a thing called paintballing, which is basically you shoot uh, what I thought were little plastic pellets full of paint at, at each other. Sounds like something you could take small children to do. Uh, I can assure you it's not. And uh, there's a local pastor in this area, I won't mention his name, because I've not yet forgiven him, but I will do one day. But he was in this group, and uh, basically I was guarding the flag. I was the last defence, guarding my little yellow flag. And I watched as, one by one, my teammates went into the forest uh, and got taken out of the battle. And it it became apparent that I was the last man standing. And I couldn't see the other side, but I could hear our men getting taken out and uh, couldn't see them. And uh, after what seemed a long time, I heard a twig snap behind me and I turned round uh, and this man, it was Steve Fenning actually, I'll just tell him him. <laughs> Steve Fenning uh, was probably as close as Hazel is to me now and shot me in the back of the leg. That was the first time I'd been shot in paintballing. It felt like a real bullet. It was, these things, although they're little plastic pellets, of course they're uh, propelled out of the gun to sort of reach beyond the back of the church. So if you stood close and it hits you in the back of the leg, uh, it really hurts. And I thought, oh, this isn't a game. This really hurts. It's really important not to get shot. And I had two more battles to go through while I was n- nursing this bruise the size of a dinner plate on the, on the back of my leg. And uh, I remember going through the next battle with uh, three men, we were running around to do the same thing, get behind the enemy's uh, front line and grab the flag. And I could hear these pellets whooshing past me. And I had a moment where I thought, actually, it does hurt a bit, but I'm not going to die. But there were young men in the world wars who went out, probably some underage who'd lied about their age to get in the army. And the things that were flying past them actually weren't plastic pellets. They were real bullets and thousands of them died. And I wondered what it would feel like to be a long way from home and hear the bullets flying and seeing your comrades die in front of you. And uh, it, was, it was a strange feeling because I never contemplated uh, being in a war. And then more recently, uh, I've started looking at my family tree and my grandfather on my father's side died before I was born. And so I didn't really know anything about him. Uh, But I found all sorts of things, including his uh, military records. And he was in the First World War, and uh, he was in Ypres, I think you pronounce it. I know that Thomas nicknamed it Wiper or something, but I don't know how you pronounce it, but he was there in that well-known battle on the Western Front. And he was I've actually located that he was on Hill 60, which is right on the front line. And it was one of those battles where they only advanced a few hundred yards in the entire war. 7,000 of his uh, regiment died, but he actually survived and returned. And uh, so I've started reading about the First World War, something I've never really read about, and it's interesting to begin to find out about this man uh, who was there in the thick of it, and unlike so many, actually survived and returned home at the end of it. And I was thinking of him and those in the trenches uh, you know, he was stuck there. It was very important to have all your armour. It was very important what you wore because if you didn't have the right equipment, you could die. And even with the right equipment, you could die. But it was very important that you had your weapons, uh, your helmet and everything ready at at any time. And so uh, we come to this 
picture that Paul paints and uh, what, what I think happened, I like to imagine, why was Paul talking about the Roman armour? Well, it says that he's in prison when he wrote the letter to the Ephesians. And uh, there's not a great view from Roman prisons. <laughs> but what he would see a lot of is Roman soldiers wandering about. And he's thinking of how to encourage uh, and inspire the uh, Christians in Ephesus. And uh, he tells them about various things, about how they're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. But then he comes to their, the subject of their protection. And uh, the other thing I noticed about the battle in World War One was the, the ground taken was, very, it was a very small amount of ground. And one of the things that my grandfather obviously had to do if they didn't take any ground was to stand his ground. And I want, I'm just going to reread what Alison read, but I want you to count how many times you hear the word stand. Uh, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. Are you getting the message? (laughs) That we're in a war, and the best you might achieve is just to stand your ground. And when the devil comes after us, we've got to stand at our ground and uh, we may advance but above all Paul wants us to stand and not give ground to the enemy and then he talks about the, the armour of God uh, and says that we should be sure that we have all this so let's look at what he talks about first of all he talks about uh, having your the belt of truth and um, one of the other things I'm thinking about my pastor a lot because I'm researching the family tree when I was thinking about the belt of truth uh, when I was little, I've got four brothers, and so uniforms kind of got grown out of before they were worn out. And so I, I wore a lot of hand-me-downs, and most of them were too big because I was a very sort of scrawny little boy, and my brothers are a bit bigger around the middle. So if I didn't put my school belt on in my hand-me-down school shorts, you know, they would just keep falling down. So it's very important on school days to make sure you had your belt. It held everything together. And if you think about truth, uh, one of the things that was said during the MP scandal was that transparency is a great antiseptic. And so one of the things they said they do is just put everybody's expenses online. And when you bring it into the light and bring it into the truth, it makes people very careful about doing the right thing. So truth uh, is a good defence if we walk in the truth. But it's also about having the belt of truth. Jesus was called the truth to walk in his word and his ways, doing those things his way will hold everything else together. If you're wearing a, a, a Roman breastplate, a metal breastplate, without the belt, you just rattle and flap around. So we need, first of all, he says, we need to walk in truth and have that round our middle. And then he says that we should have the breastplate of righteousness. And... Uh, What we have to understand is that the devil will come and accuse. He's called in Revelation the accuser of the brethren. So the devil will accuse you, make you feel bad about yourself and guilty. But our righteousness isn't our own. The righteousness that we walk in isn't our own. 
because it says that Christ died for sinners. My righteousness is worthless. That's why Jesus had to come and die. So the righteousness that protects us is not our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ, which is a gift through the cross. And so Paul says, make sure you protect yourself from accusations by wearing the breastplate of righteousness, something that protects your heart from accusations uh, from the devil or from others. As long as you're walking in the truth, you see, and in his righteousness, uh, that will protect uh, your heart. So that, those are the first two things. And then he says, have your feet uh, ready uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, imagine the soldiers in the trenches in the World War One, or indeed in Afghanistan. If the command uh, came that we're going to advance now, and they all said, hang on a minute, Sarge, just, we'll just get our boots on. <laughs> and all started, you know, putting their socks on, and have you seen me with a sock, and uh, I've lost one of my boots. I mean, they'd be destroyed. And so Paul says, you've got to have your shoes on ready uh, with the gospel of peace. And there's this picture that God has called us to share good news and we need to be ready. Peter said in one of his letters, we should be ready at all times to give a reason for the hope that's in us. So we need to be ready to go when God says go. And that's the thing that Jesus does if you look in the disciples. Uh, he calls the disciples aside and says come. And then he sends them out and says go. And at the end of the gospel he says go into all the world. So we need to be people who are ready to go. Now, some people like me, God <laughs> sends to very far and strange places. But even if he doesn't send you far, he might just send you across the road, but you still need to be ready to go when God says go. And that's another form of defense if we're uh, walking in the things of God. It says of David when he fell with Bathsheba uh, into adultery and then uh, arranging a murder, it says at the beginning of that story, uh, that it was a time for kings to go to war, but David stayed at home. And so he, he wasn't going where he should have been, where God was calling him to be. So we need to be ready to go and do things that God calls us. Uh, so we've got the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace. And then it says, take the shield of faith uh, with which you're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and you'll know from your school history lessons probably that Roman shields were sort of tall rectangular things and they were invincible uh, when they sort of came against a city because they would build like this uh, human tank where they would all join shields together above and around and you could fire arrows at them and throw things at them but they were totally protected by these huge uh, Roman shields and not only that, but these shields were covered in leather and the leather was soaked in water uh, before you went into battle because one of the weapons that came against Romans was uh, f uh, fiery darts or arrows on fire. And of course, if you've got a dry leather shield and someone sends fire onto it, it's going to burn your shield. So they soaked the shields in water so that when the fiery arrows came, uh, the, the leather was so wet it just put the fire out. And that's what Paul's talking about. He said, have the shield of faith. So it's not only enough to have faith, but we've got to have our faith soaked in the living water through that relationship uh, with Christ and with prayer. And then when the devil sends those fiery arrows to uh, set us on fire with fear, uh, that we'd be able to quench those arrows. And the 
And then it says in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Sometimes when the devil comes at us, it looks very bad. And he'll say, well, you know, you, you call yourself a Christian and there's an accusation. Uh, but Paul says that our salvation, we must have a knowledge of our salvation. We must have a, an assurance of our salvation. And uh, for most believers, it comes a short time after they receive Christ, ask him to come into their heart. There's just this knowledge that I am saved. I just know I'm saved uh, because I gave my life to Christ and repented of my sin. And that knowledge in the spirit is, is very precious. And so Paul says, don't allow the devil to attack your mind. So keep the knowledge of salvation that you are a son or daughter of God. And so he talks about putting the helmet of salvation. So whatever happens, you know that you are saved and you're in Christ. And then finally he says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's two things when he concludes with this. One is that's the only offensive weapon. All the other things he talks about are defensive. Uh, And the other thing is, he didn't talk about a backplate. And I I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true, we'd have to research it, but in the Roman armour, there was no backplate because you weren't supposed to run away. (laughs) You were supposed to be facing the enemy. And if you run away, there was no protection. And Paul doesn't mention anything about anything covering your back. He only talks about things covering your front. And when he says, you know, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't know if you've ever seen any gates walking about (laughs) coming to attack you. What he was talking about is this kingdom will walk into the gates of hell and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we're to be a kingdom that advances and go forward. And he said the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And when the devil came against Jesus in in the temptation uh, in uh, Matthew 4, I think it is, he replied every time, it is written, it is written, it is written. And we can attack Satan uh, because he's he's a legalist, he's a lawyer, and he comes to undermine what God has said about us and about our relationship. So we have to attack him with the sword of the Spirit, uh, the word of God. And then he says, finally, praying always with all prayer, and supplication in the spirit and being watchful to this end with all perseverance. So again, if you think of those soldiers in the trench, you know, you can't all go to sleep at the same time. You have to be watchful uh, that the Germans don't come and attack. That's what you had to. Somebody had to be watchful. And we need to be people who are watchful uh, against attacks of the enemy. So I'm asking, what are you wearing? Are you walking about defenceless? in the spirit because if you are Satan will come and try and take you out and when you see people cut from ministry early uh, it's maybe because they've not taken care about the armour of God about being in prayer uh, because the devil is vicious and he will come at all of us and anyone that puts their head above the parapet to advance the devil will come at us so Paul's saying it's okay but we need to be ready with the full armour of God and we need to check ourselves. And so he urges the Ephesians from the prison cell to make sure. And so he's asking them, what are you wearing? So I'll leave you with that thought. What are you wearing? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent Christ to die for us. You sent your Holy Spirit to live in us. You gave us your word, your faith, the blood of your Son. 
you gave us forgiveness and healing and provision. And Father, we ask that you would protect all of us here who have heard this message and that you would make us watchful to dress in the spiritual clothing that you provided. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The RSVP Trust, changing lives around the world.